the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 187. I'm your and today I have with me... This is Ed with a new wedge. And this is Coco. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the pretty much the entire month of April. We have a total of three books that we'll be covering in depth. A remarkable number of books that have released over the past month um, that we'll be covering in our Greater Gotham section. We have one listener Q&A, and of course we also have the news from this month. Uh, before we actually get started, one thing that you're going to start to hear on all of the podcasts uh, that's come out of the Batman Universe Podcast Network is that we are currently, uh, f- fundraising isn't probably the best way to put it, but we're, we're raising funds for TBU as a whole. Uh, the server costs for us to keep all of our previous podcast episodes still on the website along with the amount of shows that we currently produce. Um, from the variety, whether it be he- us here at the comic podcast, the weekly, the normal, normally weekly episodes of the TVU podcast, uh, Bruce Wayne's World, Bat Fans, uh, Backle to Oracle, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. We also still have specials occasionally, as well as commentaries. There's all kinds of stuff that we are always producing on any given week. There's normally a, at least three episodes, also Gotham Chronicle, um, when Gotham's on the air. So in any given week, there's at least three episodes that post per week for fans to listen to. And we have been posting podcasts, obviously, for quite some time. This is actually, we are in our eighth year that we've been in existence. We started in January of 2008. So we have been doing this for a long time. And and obviously the site has gone through a number of changes and the podcasts have had numbers of changes. And we have had tons of different things happen over the course of the eight years. But one thing that I have always tried to make sure, being the person who basically, you know, is the man behind the scenes running things um, when it comes to TBU and, and I initially started it, um, I've always tried to keep TBU as ad-less as possible. Uh, now, occasionally you might see a sponsored post where so- where somebody pays us money to post up some sort of article linking back to wherever they're linking it to. But for the most part, outside of a couple occasional banner ads that we had for a brief time more than five years ago, we haven't really had advertisements on the website because I personally find ads super annoying. I hate going to websites such as comic book resources and you're trying to read an article and while you're in the middle of reading an article, you just happen to slide your mouse over a word and an ad pops up or, you know, you have a video ad that automatically starts playing in the middle of trying to read an article. It's frustrating. It's annoying. So I've tried to stay away from advertisements as much as possible, but unfortunately the server costs and the costs of the website and the cost of the bandwidth that we take up by releasing as many different types of shows that we do has caused a significant increase on our site server fees and things like that. So 
We are currently raising some funds. Uh, we kind of need to raise these funds by mid-June at the very latest, uh, but we need to raise funds to basically keep TBU going. So if you're listening to any of the other podcasts, we're all going to mention this. Um, and uh, if you head over to the website, on the homepage, the sidebar on the right-hand side, at the very top of the sidebar, actually has a spot that says Support TBU where you can give a specific amount of whatever you choose to give to TBU to keep TBU afloat, per se. Um, but it is a very serious matter that we do need to raise these funds because it is a big deal and we need to to, to keep things going. Otherwise, we're going to have to potentially cut back on some of the shows and things like that just because of the amount of bandwidth that we're currently using and uh, the, the cost that accrue because of that. So, uh, stepping down off my soapbox, I just want to say head over to the website, support TBU. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, so that's that for now. Let's get straight into comic news. The very first thing we have is on April 7th at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, DC Comics announced the creation of a new imprint called DC's Young Animal. Uh, this will be under the guidance of Gerard Way. Um, Gerard Way, who many people know f- either as a creator behind a comic series called The Umbrella Academy or as part of the band Fallout Boy. Um, so he had, The Umbrella Academy was a very successful comic, um, lots of critical praise, and he is going to be the, I guess, main creator behind this new imprint. Uh, the new imprint will launch several titles that don't quite fit under DC's main label imprint because they are described by their creators as really weird and some because they have different audiences than the normal DC regular ongoing titles. Uh, these titles include Doom Patrol, Shade the Changing Girl, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, and one specific title that relates to the Batman universe called Mother Panic. Now, this Mother Panic story is described as uh, meet Violet Page, a celebrity heiress, by day and a brutal vigilante by night as she takes on the underbelly of Gotham City's high society. Hitting shelves in November, the series is written by Gerard Ray and Jody Hauser with art by Tommy Lee Edwards. Um, so we don't have any more information than that. There was one small image that was released um, that, that correspond with this Mother Panic series. Um, obviously when Mother Panic does release, we will be covering it on the website and we will obviously give you a synopsis, uh, you know, like all the other tie-in to the Batman Universe type books, all the other Bat books. Um, but it's, it's interesting because not, because imprint is a big name nowadays because DC has had a number of imprints that they've got, they got rid of. Wildstorm would be one of them. They had at one point... Um, Milestone, which they don't, they no longer print books under that imprint. Uh, CMX was their manga imprint that no longer does anything. And it was just recently announced that Vertigo is going to be doing a complete restructure of how they're doing things, um, to better suit the needs of DC Entertainment as a company. So, um, it's interesting that this is an imprint and they're phrasing it as it's an imprint. But it is, it's basically just a group of books that don't fit under the umbrella of another book, uh, another group of books. Yeah, and I noticed it was called Young Animal, so one would hope that they wouldn't call the imprint Young Animal and then just make a bunch of mature-only titles. That might be kind of silly. All right, so then in addition to that, we have on April 15th, 
DC announced a new digital first series dealing with Batman 66. Um, if you remember correctly, last year, almost, you know, well over nine months ago, last year at Comic-Con, it was a Comic-Con International, that is, it was announced that there was going to be a crossover between Batman 66 and the television Avengers, not Marvel Avengers, but the television Avengers from the 1960s. Nothing ever happened up until just on April 15th when they announced the, basically as soon as Batman 66 meets the man from Uncle, which just released the last chapter this past week. Um, once that releases, they're going to be diving into a new series starting in, in June. So I'll have one month off in between, mostly because the last print copy of uh, Batman Meets the Man from Uncle is going to be releasing in May. But once that is done, the new series is called Batman 66 Meets Steed and Mrs. Peel. I'm guessing the mm-hmm. reason they didn't use Avengers was they didn't want any Marvel confusion. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is going to be written by Ian Edginton. Ed, Ed, Ed? Gin Tun. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he's, yeah. he's doing it along, and he, and the artist is going to be Matthew Dow Smith, uh, who previously worked on Justice League Gods and Monsters Batman. Um, the cover arts are planned to be done by Michael Aldred, who's done a number of the Batman 66 covers, and fan favorite Cat Staggs, who will be contributing variant covers for issue number one. Now, the, the, I guess the one thing that's interesting about this is that, um, it's not written by Jeff Parker, who has been doing a number of the Batman 66 stuff, um, but it is keeping the Batman 66 line going with another digital first series. Uh, the basic description says, As Bruce Wayne shows the beautiful head of a UK electronics company, the sights of Gotham, they are interrupted by the villainous feline Catwoman. Unwilling to leave Miss Michaela Gao unprotected, Bruce reassigns himself to the fact that Batman cannot save the day, resigns himself to f- the fact that Batman cannot save the day. But some new players have arrived in town, though even as the lovely cat-suited clad Mrs. Peel and her comrade John Steed take control of the situation, nefarious plots continue apace. So, look for that starting in June digitally first, and print starting in July as a six-issue miniseries. One would think that these Batman 66 titles must be selling because they keep making them. You know? I mean, mean, the thing is, the, the print copies, I mean, they, they have pretty much, they start out at, you know, pretty average sales, uh, mid twenties. And then they, they always, by the time the series end, they normally drop to around 15. Um, but I'm guessing the digital, because this is digital first series, the digital, there's there's plenty of people who are, I guess, buying this digitally to keep warrant to them continuing to do this, or in fact that this this is in fact the last one, and they're just wrapping things up because maybe it was already pre-planned, as we know, because it was announced back last year. Um, you know, this has already been in the works and been completed, and they're just getting around to finally releasing it, just to spread it out and keep the Batman sixty six brand alive. I don't know. Possible. Moving on, on April 18th, solicitations came out, starting off with the collected editions. Uh, we have a number of collected editions. They'll be coming out through the months of August and September. Many of these are for ongoing titles, including Batgirl, 
Batman, Batman Superman, Earth 2, uh, Society, Harley Quinn, Justice League, Robinson of Batman, Teen Titans, Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, as well as other collected editions that predate the current main line of DC, including, uh, Batman 66 meets the Man from Uncle on hard, in hardcover, Injustice Year 4, Volume 2 hardcover, Robin Volume 3, and Superman Batman Volume 4. Other noteworthy titles include a book called Batman the Golden Age Volume 1, collecting original stories from Detective Comics number 27 through 45 and Batman number 1 through 3. And New York's World Fairs Comics number 1 for $24.99. Also, DC is releasing yet another adult coloring book version of a collected edition. This time, it will be for Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad Volume 1, which collects various splash pages featuring Harley and her Suicide Squad companions. You can check out the full list of all of the collect editions over on the website. Two quick things here. One, a very late solicit that came out that didn't make the list that was released late was that Batman Year One is getting an absolute edition. Mm. Um, so that will be out in a couple of months. That it just kind of dropped into the um, the previews magazine late, uh, but it did solicit during this. So if you, anyone collects those giant overstuffed ones, that's coming out, which made mm-hmm. one person I know <clears throat> extremely happy. <laughs> Uh, which was me because I do and I can't wait to get my hands on it. And the second thing was, uh, this is not really off topic. You know, when we had that discussion about the adult coloring book, we were all kind of unclear what the pages were going to be like. The mad love one came out and I got one for my daughter and the inside of it is like a type of like proper, like sketch pad craft paper. So if anyone was listening to us and, and wondered if we ever checked back on it, I did. And it's a normal coloring book, not comic book pages. So it is very colorable. All right. So then moving into normal solicitations, these are for July. Obviously, there's tons of stuff going on in July. We have uh, the next group of Rebirth titles coming out. Um, but there's a number of stuff that's that's happening. Um, all of the Rebirth stuff is now shipping twice monthly. So most of the titles are shipping twice monthly at the $2.99 price point, as we talked about before. In the pages of Batman number two and three, Tom King continues the I Am Gotham story in which Batman deals with a new hero in the city named Gotham, eventually forcing them to work together to save the city from an attack. Over in Detective Comics number 936 and 937, we see Batman, Batwoman, and the rest of their team fighting against a new organization called Colony, which threatens Gotham City while still struggling to train their new team of heroes. Um, we also see the Rebirth return for Justice League with Justice League Rebirth number one and Justice League number one. The Rebirth special seems to tell a new origin story for the Justice League with Batman and Wonder Woman being skeptical as they welcome Superman to the team. And the new issue number one, an ancient power threatens the entire Earth and not even the combined strength of the Justice League might be able to stop it. Also, in July, we see Titans number one debut, welcoming some old members to the team and facing their most dangerous enemy yet. As far as more Batman family characters, we will see the Rebirth titles launch for Batgirl, Batgirl, Birds of Prey, Nightwing, Red Hood, and the Outlaws. Um, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Nightwing, and uh, Batgirl, Birds of Prey, we will see, be seeing Rebirth issues for all of those, as well as Batgirl as well. Barbara sets out... And on her new training adventures in Asia in Batgirl, uh, in the Batgirl, or in Batgirl, while Batgirl and Black Canary get the Birds of Prey back together, bringing Helena Bertinelli, officially announced to be the same character 
from Grayson, who is becoming Huntress again, into the team as they square off against someone who has discovered Barbara's history as Oracle, again ex- explicitly brought back into continuity, and is using that title for evil. We see Dick Grayson mm-hmm. come back to Gotham after his time as a spy to reclaim the title of Nightwing and the original blue suit in the pages of Nightwing, and begin to work with a new mentor in a, the beginning of an arc called Better Than Batman, and that'll kick off in Nightwing number one. Uh, Jason Todd solidifies Red Hood's identity as a villain after an encounter with Batman and teams up with Bizarro and a fallen Amazon named Artemis to take down Gotham's criminal networks from the inside in Red Hood and the Outlaws Rebirth number one. Um, as far as New 52 post-Flashpoint releases, we will be seeing Batman fighting against Rewire as they as they are both manipulated by Spellbinder and Batman Beyond. Harley Quinn tries to burn the place down as the ongoing series ends the month before her rebirth starts. Uh, her rebirth ongoing begins in Harley Quinn number thirty. Harley Quinn and her her gang of Harleys number four find the gang in a fight against Harley Sin, who is holding Harley prisoner on the island of horrible death. Harley is also spylighted in the final issue of New Suicide Squad in an issue which claims to delve into her mind as she wrestles with both her past and future. And lastly, the Teen Titans find themselves trying to prove themselves before Amanda Waller shuts the team down in Teen Titans. We also see new issues of Earth 2 Society, DC Comics Bombshells, Injustice Gods Among Us, and the debut of Batman 66 meets the meets Steed and Mrs. Mrs. Peel. Um, so you can check out the full list of everything that's coming out. The one thing that I got we got to talk about is some of these descriptions for some of these rebirth titles. Uh, I know Stella's probably gonna have some comments about the uh. Batgirl stuff. So let's just dive into Batgirl <laughs> and Batgirl and Birds of Prey. <laughs> the problem is, um, and my comments are more gonna shift towards Birds of Prey. Quite honestly, the fact that the first villain they're facing has the moniker Oracle. And how we were all fooled because we saw that image, the cover image, right? And it felt like, oh my goodness, this is original Birds of Prey because, well, I guess not original, but sort of like second round Birds of Prey because you have uh, Barbara, you know, in some capacity, Helena, well, Huntress, and then Black Canary. And then, you know, in the back, you've got that original image of um oracle and so i was thinking oh it's probably frankie but then you know days later i think after we recorded that and i was talking about it you know it comes out that oracle's a villain and i thought to myself what in the world is going on um it's just it's a weird thing obviously it's it's a different idea than taking barbara gordon as oracle and making her a villain which is something you know they do with cassandra kane but i think just to have that name, that title, and someone who has not really been around at all in New 52, people wondering what was going on, that past sort of erased from Barbara Gordon, mentioned slightly, but to have it return and then be sullied by this is really disconcerting. And I guess maybe we as readers are supposed to feel the same way that Barbara Gordon is because clearly there's some connection that she realizes, you know, it's I. It was her name, and now she's upset that you know someone else is using it. Um, I haven't really worked out sort of all the details of it, but I guess I was just expecting you know a team to already be formed, Frankie to finally get past the like stutters, and you know finally drop out Oracle rather than what she's been 
currently known as. Um, but here we go. So it's very strange. I imagine it'll be some techno whiz. I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody like Calculator. I think it's got to be someone from Barbara's past that makes sense and, you know, has some history with her pre-Flashpoint. But I just think it's super weird. Like, of all the things that you could, you know, why not just have a straight villain instead of having the Oracle name be tarnished? Uh, I just think it's it's strange, so I guess we'll see. Is this the first confirmation of her being Oracle since New 52, though? Like, did, did Batgirl ever, like, bless that she was Oracle? I don't you know. That yeah, was kinda, no. Like, hinted with yeah. it. Yeah, it was only hinted, you know, that she was sort of uh, an information broker, you know, in, in some of that. Um, I think it was that special, it was like a Secret Origins that they did. Um, but I don't think the name was ever dropped but i think now is like we're finally dropping the name this is real this is part of her past and so barbara's upset i guess a lot of it will depend what happens in rebirth right if if it does indeed as some of us are theorizing rewrite rewrite a lot of continuity and all of a sudden they like paint her back in as as her time as oracle i don't know it's gonna be interesting though it'll also be interesting because you know it the it says that the lahina bertinelli now, the problem is that it doesn't, like, it's supposed to be the Helena Bertinelli from Grayson yeah. by name, but it's not necessarily stating, hey, by the way, the person who is writing Spiral is now going to resort to being a superhero with the name Huntress, and she's going to be working alongside these other people. You know, they could be reworking that completely because I'm not seeing the Helena Bertinelli that is appearing in Grayson resorting to becoming a costumed vigilante. I just don't see that. Um, so there's Yeah, not only that, but, you know, like, there seems to be, like, some sort of pre-existing relationship between her and the other two. Like, you can't just pop on the right, team and exactly. expect it to be kosher. So, like, it seems like they've got to rewrite it so that there is some sort of back history. Otherwise, it's just some random person, and why Why should we trust Huntress to be on the team? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, Dick, maybe uh, Dick will give him a nod. Like, hey, she's okay, but I don't know. I think the other problem with all these solicitations, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but isn't everything that's going to happen now before Rebirth, aren't you kind of, this is going to sound awful, but aren't you kind of like, whatever? Like, like when you see, like, Suicide Squad, Third 22, and, like, the titles leading up to Rebirth, I think are going to suffer a serious decline in sales on these titles that are overhanging, won't they? Oh, part yeah, of a dead, part of a dead, part of a dead universe now. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the whole reason. I mean, we talked about this before when they first announced Rebirth was going to happen. That's why I thought April and May were going to be like kind of joke months because we could see that all of the creators were being taken away from their main titles to go prep for, you know, Rebirth. But in my mind, it just didn't make any sense. Like, I get, you know, Tom King. He's got. He's going to be writing. He's going to be going from writing, you know, Grayson and Omega Men, and I, I think at, he's also still working on Vision over at Marvel. Uh, he's got three titles per month. He's going to be basically dropping everything and only be doing two issues of Batman per month, but it's still two issues. But I guess in my mind, I'm trying to comprehend, he had to leave Grayson three months in advance to prep for the fact that he has to write two issues I mean, it just shows that either they're really trying to plan accordingly and make sure that they are super far in advance, which they've done this before, but it always ends up catching up to them and it ends up not working out, or 
they just don't care about the remaining books because they've already announced it. That's why it just it bewilders me that you know, when you look at all of these different issues that are coming out this month and next month, it just feels like they're placeholder issues that mean nothing. And it's unfortunate because it really just feels like, you know, well, all our focus is on the future. We don't care about what's currently happening. So, and it's sad because some of the creative teams that aren't continuing on, like the creative team for Batgirl, who's not moving on with the stuff that's happening with Rebirth, their stuff just kind of is like, well, hey, by the way, it doesn't matter how much longer of the story you initially planned, you've got to wrap it up now because you only have this many issues. And by the way, we don't have any plans to use you come June, so yeah. So you get an issue like Batgirl number 51 where Babs Tar's not even on the issue and things like that. But I mean, like, I don't know. The problem is that you know, once Rebirth happens, it could be great. I, I am also having some problems with the fact that they're still spreading so much of this out. There's so many issues that, oh, even though they never actually officially said, hey, these are the final issues, there are final issues that will happen in May. Even though they did, they never said they were the final issues. Where June I guess that's and, true, isn't it? And, yeah, because, I mean, like, you don't have Robin, Son of Batman anymore. That ends in May, but there's no replacement for that series unless you count Super Sons, which doesn't even come out until August at the earliest. I mean, fall. Yeah, fall. Sorry, the <laughs> ambiguous, the ambiguous fall. Fall. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, just looking at some of the stuff, like, uh, they, you know, they they got rid of Batman, Superman. I'm not, I'm not complaining about the fact that they're getting rid of these and replacing them with something else. But the replacement for that, you would assume, because they're also getting rid of Superman, Wonder Woman, is. Uh, the Trinity title, which also doesn't come out till the ambiguous fall. So, you know, there's, they're going to be producing a lot less books, you know, for the first couple months until everything oh, yeah. launches. It just feels like it's spread out for such a long period of time. And the ambiguous fall is just absolutely frustrating as heck because you don't know when anything's actually going to be coming out and being the person who, you know, tries to make sure that we can get everything Covered on the website, it's almost impossible to schedule, you know, somebody to review all of the important titles if you don't even know when the books are coming out ahead of time, other than just some, hey, this book exists, but we're not telling you when, you know. I wonder, one would have to believe that when San Diego Comic Con rolls around this year, they'll What's that? probably get some clarity there. It's a convention in San Diego. They talk about comics and pop culture. Never heard. <laughs> Who knows? Because there's certain people who are boycotting it because of piracy and, and things leaking out from San Diego. But anyway, I saw that. Oh, you know, uh, as a sidebar for a second. I mean, I think that was kind of nuts that you got so many people boy. I mean, I get Disney and Marvel because they have their own convention, D23, which, which is almost the biggest like, Yeah, and it happens like two weeks after the fact. So I mean, like, there's no reason for them to keep doing it. I guess the other thing too is, I guess when you're, I mean, now that. Geek movies, quote unquote. You know, I can see my hands when I do that. I, I know it's an audio medium. Um, like is is so mainstream. I guess you really don't need the exposure anymore. I mean, you think? I mean, honestly, by not showing a trailer at Comic Con, you think less people are going to go see the Avengers: Infinity War? Yeah. Or Star Wars: Rogue One. But I mean, you know? honestly, if you look at last year, I mean, look at some of the stuff that they had in Hall H last year. I mean, uh, Kevin Smith, he debuted his whatever that movie was, Tusk, I think it was. One of his one of his crazy movies that somehow yep. followed yep. right after the Star Wars, where everyone was said, "Hey, everybody who's here for the Star Wars panel, guess what? We're having a con uh, a concert 
You're all invited. Let's go. And they all just walked out and left like less than a couple hundred people left in Hall H at, you know, prime time on a, on a, on a, you know, normal day. It wasn't like the middle of Sunday when there's hardly anything going on. It was like Friday night. So, <laughs> and I'm sure they were just like, Hey, that was awesome. Thanks so much. Thank, thank, yeah, thanks thank for you. Uh, taking yeah. everybody away from this. We paid money for this this block and you just took everybody away. Um, but I mean, like anyway, the thing is, um, come comic con, they better have everything laid out. We better know exactly when, you know, all-star Batman is going to come out and so forth and so on. Um, the other real quick, uh, story point that I wanted to talk about is the solicitation says that Jason Todd solidifies red hoods identity as a villain. Um, but, after teaming up with no, he's no longer going to be teaming up with Arsenal, which he's been teamed up with since the beginning of the New Fifty Two. He's going to be teamed up with Bizarro and Artemis. Sure. So it's basically like the fourth string characters from the Trinity that are coming, you know, that are you know combining to do this. But what's interesting to me is they are going to be villains. Which, okay, fine, they've, they've said they're villains before, but they're going to be trying to take down Gotham's criminal networks from the inside. Why would that make them villains then? Like, hey, Batman, I'm having interaction with you, I'm pulling out my gun saying I'm gonna kill whoever I want, but guess what? I'm still gonna fight the bad guys. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I would say this, what I read in the solicitation, a little different shift on than you is, is after a shocking encounter with Batman, I just assume it's a setup. Like Batman is, you know, letting Jason Todd look like a bad guy to get deep undercover. You know what I'm saying? That's how I yeah, took it. Maybe. Um, that's possible, but let's face it. Anytime I read a solicitation recently for this, I just have a, a mental image of Scott Lobdell standing in front of me, giving me the bird. So what are you going to do? All right. So that's the solicitations. The full list is over on the website. If you haven't gotten sick of us by now, we are now going to dive into TV by the numbers. Um, as far as numbers for March, 2016, Terry has put them together. Uh, total comic sales for the month of March included 6.09 million issues. The percent annual change was 11% from the pre, from, from four April 15, 2015. Um, the total sales for DC was 1.58, which makes mm. up a market share of 25.94. Out of that 1.58, TBU sales was 1.01, which is 17.27%. So that's right. The remaining non-TBU books, now that doesn't include Justice League, Justice League of America, Teen Titans, which some people say are not TBU books, but they're DC books. But we consider them TBU books because... Does it got Batman in it? Or a Batman character, yes. There you go. It's a TBU book. But nonetheless, uh, if you take away the TBU books, that means outside of anything that's related to Batman, DC is only selling a half a million issues. Kind of sad. Kind of sad. I mean, that's TBU is making up the 60 something percent of the overall sales for DC. Yeah. Wowzers. Yeah. Two thirds. Uh, All right. Uh, so as far as the books that are doing well for March, we have Batman number 50, which sold an amazing 163 K, which was 59 percent up from the previous month. Those number 50 issues clearly helped that out. 
Uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four sold 65k. Detective Comics number 50 sold 52k. Harley Quinn number 26 sold 51k. JLA number eight sold 45k. Batman Superman number 30 44k. Batman and Robin Eternal number 22 through 26. So the final issues was 170, 174k. Um, Grayson number 18 was 33k. Robin Son of Batman number 10 32k. So, uh, all of these books actually increased outside of Ju- uh, Justice League of America, which didn't release an issue the previous month. Um, but Harley Quinn only went down 0.5%. That was the only book that actually went down. All the other books mentioned all went up at least a percent from the previous month. Um, as far as the books that are meeting expectations, New Suicide New Suicide Squad number 18, Batgirl number 49, Teen Titans number 18. Poison Ivy number three, Batman Beyond number ten. Now, of these, New Suicide Squad went up nineteen percent. Uh, Batman Beyond went up almost eleven percent, and the other books only went down about two to four percent. So, not a whole lot of change. But the one number that I think is interesting to compare is Batgirl number forty-nine, which sold twenty-four k, compared to the previous year. It went down actually forty percent from the previous year, which is a pretty big drop which explains why they're shifting creators. Um, it's not necessarily saying that the creators are doing a bad job, but it's just they need something fresh to make this, you know, make the sales numbers pop back up. Over a period of time, no matter how, how long the creator is on, there's very few creators where they're on an issue for a long period of time. There's very few creators whose sales numbers will stay even and not just slowly drop as time progresses. Not like huge drops, but just... Slowly, slowly, slowly drop. All right. Uh, as far as books in danger, running through the list of books in danger, no real giant surprises here. Uh, DC Comics Bombshells, uh, Titans Hunt, Earth 2 Society, Red Hood Arsenal, We Are Robin, Deadshot, uh, Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot Katana, Catwoman, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Black Canary, Gotham Academy, Secret Six, Justice League 3001, Batman 66, Meets the Man from Uncle, and Midnighter. Every single one of these series dropped, except for Catwoman. Catwoman is the only one that bounced back up, which was only a 4% increase because it had that number 50. I'm actually surprised it didn't drop more due to, or I'm, I'm surprised it didn't drop and drop a lot considering the, uh, higher price point that the issue had because it was a number 50. Because if you read that number 50, it wasn't worth the price point. No, but you know what it is. Number 50s, number 1s, number 100s, people buy them regardless if they should or shouldn't. It's, you know, it goes back to the old days in the 90s when you used to be able to buy a number 1 and sell it two weeks later for four times what you paid for it, you know. Um, and nobody's reading Midnighter, which is sad because of the character and, and that we need those type of characters. But man, nobody's reading that comic, are they? And the problem is it just comes down to, you know, I agree that we need to have a variety of characters, you know, whether it be race, sex, uh, sexual orientation, no matter what it is, there needs to be a variety of these characters that are headlining these books. But when you have a series that you have, when you take a character who's not uh, of one of those many different minorities and you have them headlining a book, if the book is not good... Regardless of whether the, you know, the, the, the book has the minority as the headliner or not, I don't feel as if the book has to be good. It ha- I mean, it has to be good. There's, there's other series that exist outside of DC and the Batman universe that have 
minorities in lead roles uh, or headlining a book that are much better books because they're written better. And I'm not trying to knock on Steve Orlando for Midnighter. I don't really connect with the character in any way. I just don't find the character all that great. He's basically this brute who likes, you know, straight, straight, super, super violence and likes beating the absolute hell. I mean, the first couple of issues of the series was basically blood fests for this guy. And then, you know, his, his, uh, sexual orientation, which is, you know, what makes him a minority doesn't really come into play other than he, you know, has a bunch of guys that he, that he hooks up with. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot that's going on as far as, you know, the advancement of the character, and that's part of the problem. So I agree. And somebody we know just did a very good podcast about minority representation in comics, film, and pop culture. don't know who it was, where you could find it at, but it was, but it was really good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, minority Report is out there. It's, it's ready to go, and we hear from people that actually represent those different groups. So they, they talk uh, for themselves rather than just Donovan and I talking for them. So, yeah, please, please do. I hope it's enlightening. It's good. You know, the one that kind of caught me was the, the the gentleman that called in that was an atheist. That, that's what I never thought of as a minority. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't something that I had, um, well, planned to talk about, certainly. So I think I, I will address, like, the other the other side as well. Yeah. Um, but interesting. Yeah. Yo, oh, oh, absolutely, yep. Yeah. All right. So definitely check that out. That is available on the Backworld Oracle feed. Um, as far as any other news we have, there's a couple of DCL Access videos that are posted up. Uh, there's one dealing with Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, specifically the April Fool's special that released earlier this month. There is uh, one dealing with the last issues of Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with an interview with James Tinian. And there's also one uh, talking with... Uh, uh, James Demitis about Justice League 3001. If you have been paying attention to that series, there's an all-female Justice League in the future, including a female version of Batman, which happens to be a direct descendant of Bruce Wayne, if you haven't been paying attention to that series. So, uh, definitely check that out if you have not. Um, with that, that is all of our news. Not that much, but there was some. Um, so with that, we're going to dive straight into our comic book reviews. And the very first one we have is Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 51, Our Gordon at War, which is reminiscent of the 2001 DC story, Our Worlds at War. Story and words, Peter J. Tomasi, pencils, Fernando Pissarin, inks, Matt Ryan, colors, Chris Ottemeyer. An old Marine buddy, uh, Beringer, yes, Beringer, approaches Jim in his apartment and talks to him about something buried in the desert that did not stay buried, Amunset. Unfortunately, his buddy is killed in an alleyway while Jim's there and tells Jim to save the others, presumably those that were also in his unit of the past. Jim then puts on his dog tags and goes to the coroner's office, and the coroner finds that there are three eagle strips of flesh mis- of missing flesh, all cut from Beringer's back, and all four wounds have traces of poison. Jim goes home, he reminisces, and then packs his bags along with his bat suit and goes to Afghanistan. He meets up with his squad and gets info on what has been going on recently. He then puts on his bat suit and investigates the CO's office for reports on what happened with the squad and specifically Behringer six months ago. And he looks for information on some missing Marines, too. He goes to a cafe to see the CO as Jim. Uh, he goes to the cafe 
uh, to see the CEO talking with a native who, who's, who's not really on the up and up. Later, as Batman, Jim gets other info from the CEO that he would not have been able to otherwise wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He gets coordinates for a site and calls in the Bat Blimp for help, but there's too much interference, so they can't really help him out. Jim wrecks his Jeep, and it starts sinking into the sand. And he's talking to Julia, and he recalls an ancient underground area that he and his squad or unit found in the sand. And down there, they saw men imprisoned, and strips were cut from their backs in some sort of ritual. And Jim was horrified, and he knew then that he needed to find a way to stop it. To be concluded... You know, first question, is this the type of Gordon in the military story that you would want to read? Because this is a, a big part of his past, you know, when he was training and and his haircut specifically, you know, his reference about his military and Marine background. So if you ever wanted to read a story about him in the military and him getting back to his Marine roots, is this the type of story that you would want to read or are we a little off? I think we're a little off. I mean, I'm okay. not, I would be, yes. I would not be opposed to seeing a James Gordon story dealing with something, you know, him investigating some sort of occurrence that, you know, deals with his former Marine buddies or something like that. But I don't want it set where it is set. Uh, not saying Afghanistan, like I, that's not the issue. It's, it's this deity thing. I'm not, I'm not really feeling it. I don't really understand. Yes. The connection, and I don't understand why you're taking a guy like Jim Gordon, who is supposed to be this great detective, and you're setting him up against Supernatural, which you really can't explain all the time. So I don't really feel this is really the best story for Jim Gordon. In some ways, I'm kind of disappointed that, you know, we have, we basically have two issues. We have 51 and 52, and Tomasi is doing these two issues and just basically telling, like I said, a placeholder story until Detective Comics Rebirth happens uh, starting in June. So, I mean, in my mind, my problem that I have with this is why wouldn't he just tell a story about Jim Gordon dealing with Barbara or something like that? Like have just a in-depth family story or if you want to bring in the military element, have it close to home where, you know, you have Batgirl, uh helping Jim with a- an investigation of some sort dealing with you know, a murder of a Marine that brings back memories of his time in the service. Something like that would make so much more sense and, and, and tie so much better to the strengths that Tomasi has with the family element that we've talked about so many times that we enjoy from Tomasi. But this just doesn't feel like it's really what it should be. It just feels like, it really feels like it's just a throwaway story that will mean nothing after next month's issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yes, I agree with you. Um, if you're going to do a story like this with Jim, this is going to sound really weird, but I'd kind of envision like a, something set stateside, like an NCIS type, oh. epi- you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a, with, with, with Jim kind of leading in an investigation. Uh, I think that could be cool. Um, and would make a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, this just doesn't seem right. I mean, it, it, it this is going to sound awful. And we all, everyone knows that this podcast is pro Tomasi. Right. Mm-hmm. Overall. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't even seem like a Tomasi story. And he's had a couple since he got in detective that I think that he got put on the book and then the rebirth was happening. And I don't know. This doesn't seem like a typical Tomasi story that and the cave thing, the mother <laughs> cave, whatever that was. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I, I'm sure Tomasi's great writer. Love him. I just this past couple story arcs in detective just haven't really done much for me. It really feels like. 
And and don't get me wrong, if you have been paying attention to Tomasi's writing, he's currently doing uh, the Superman story over in pretty much all of the Superman books. And that is, it's actually, it's enjoyable, it's an enjoyable read, but it feels like his effort has been put towards that, and this is just kind of something he, you know, put together to fill pages. And it's unfortunate because I don't think that Tomasi, the caliber of writer and the tenure that he's had on a lot of these books, should resort to just having to do this. They should have just gotten somebody else to do a story for the time being. I, I agree. This is the caveat I'll put for that. Unless you go full Scott Labdell on me, right, and give me years of a dribble, yeah. I do recognize <laughs> that, that for some of these guys, it's ju- it's a pain gig. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and I and I'm, I'm cognizant of that it's not. This isn't like you know make you cry to yourself to sleep. This isn't Dark Knight Strikes again. But no. I mean, it's just not great. And and I'm sure that his his efforts were elsewhere for rebirth and the Superman stuff. And this is something he just pumped out. And he's a, he's a writer that's paid to do his job. And I can certainly understand why he would do it. I think it'd be interesting to see uh, a Gordon in the you know as a Marine story. But I think if I were to envision what that would look like. I think it'd be, you know, flashbacks. Um, and then, you know, how did it push Gordon to be the man he is today? That Like a character-building story, which I think would be interesting. Uh, but it's not as relevant, I think, to the current story that is going on, which which is the problem. Because really, besides the Bats suit, you know, there's no other tie to what's going on. And I'm there with Dustin, you know, why not have it uh, a more personal story? And we had seen through the... I guess I don't know what the killer was called, but the the serial killer that was, you know, uh, taking on the mass of certain historical people. The faceless he did, man. Oh, gosh. Um, he, he kept referencing or, you know, looking in on Barbara, you know, and having that connection there. So if only he could have uh, pushed that a little further. Um, my last question, because I did want to save the, you know, how did this feel for a, a final story from Tomasi until the end, though we, I guess we did touch upon it. When do you think this story takes place and why the cigarette? Or I should say cigarettes. Is there any symbolism there? So when did this story take place in terms of, because, you know, with Batman, all that stuff is over. And, and of course, when you see um, that guy, Daryl. You know that's bad. But and then didn't they explain? Correct? Didn't they kind of explain that? I can't. I can't remember. There was, I, I thought they explained it when he stopped being Batman and he was done. I can't remember. I can't recall if it happened in the pages of Detective Comics or Batman, but he went back to smoking after he was no longer Batman, and he they showed him smoking. He smokes when he's Batman. No, he right. does not. There's that one. Yeah, there is. There's that well, one there scene where he comes where around with those bloom patches. and he quits. But then that doesn't align because why is Daryl still in the blimp? Daryl's a bad guy. Oh, it's got to be during like in the middle of the Bloom storyline or something. It has to be right. Yeah. Which, so he doesn't bad. make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, so this is not post retirement. Well, this is exactly why there's problems because it feels as if this story was written to take place before Bloom, but it contradicts itself because. How can he just leave Gotham when he's supposed to be, you know, he's basically right. the, yep. the contractor that the Powers Company has basically hired to keep control of the city? How can he just randomly decide to leave with the bat suit and say, hey, I'm going to go to Afghanistan to randomly investigate something? It doesn't work. None of this, the timeline of it doesn't work. And it just shows that this was 
another, like I said, a placeholder story that you could place in different places. But the the problem is that this story you can place in two different times, but it doesn't work in either one of the times by itself without some sort of explanation. That's the problem. It doesn't work at all. I mean, they're not going to let him take the suit. I mean, remember how Powers Corp was, how controlling was? You think that they're going to be cool with him taking the suit to Afghanistan? Imagine what happened if, if you were a major corporation and, and your Robo Batman got involved in the middle of a of a in a war zone. real war zone. I mean, come on, that's never gonna, that's never going to fly. So yes, I don't I, I don't think there's any good time for it to happen. Yeah, I I don't I don't remember the cigarette. Like I felt like he was pretty um, uh, dedicated to keeping his health up and, and not smoking. So I, I wondered if this was more like. It is reaching the end of his tenure as Batman, and also the fact that he's thinking back because he doesn't really stick a cigarette in his mouth until he start he puts on his dog tags, you know. So it's more like thinking back to that time and maybe getting back to like his his marine roots that it's just like he's going into old habits. Um, but you know, maybe I could be wrong. All right, so Detective Comics number fifty one. I'm going to give this one a total of two out of five. Oh, it uh, pains me to do this, to Mr. Tomasi. So I'm going to give him a two and a half out of five. Yeah, I'll go with that and say two point five out of five. And over on the website, Corbin gave it three, so that's going to give Detective Comics number fifty one a total of two and a half out of five batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Dark Knight three. Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, book four. Uh, writers, Brian Azzarello and Frank Miller with Klaus Jansen and Andy Kubert on art. Uh, this book opens up with Superman confronting his daughter after what happened at the end of last issue, uh, who looks to very much be on the side of Quar and the other renegade Kryptonians. Uh, Superman refuses to fight her, and she demands that he change his sides and joins the Kryptonian side and starts beating him unmercifully. Uh, we then see Bruce and Carrie watching from the monitors in um, the Bad Cave or their new hideout, uh, where Bruce says there is nothing they can do about it. Uh, they beat Superman up all the way down to the Fortress of Solitude, where he is destroyed, seemingly, after they have found him guilty of crimes against Kryptonians. Um, Carrie theorizes that what's going on is dark matter. Uh, Kor then comes to Gotham City, where he demands that Batman be brought to him, or he will destroy the city. Uh, we can see Bruce trying to get hold of Wonder Woman, who doesn't answer the phone, and then we see Commissioner Yendel, who is in her office and appears to have got a drinking problem, um, saying the police of Gotham have lost control a long time ago, and the people are just now getting to know it. Uh, Carrie is helping Bruce get ready with a series of injections so he can go out and fight. Uh, we then see her hands her what looks to be a new costume and tells her it's a graduation present. We then see a flash, one of the flashes, coming running into the city to help who gets totally laid out by Quar. He's just like unconscious, bleeding on the street. Uh, and the rest of the Gotham is, is rioting, demanding that Batman turn himself over. Uh, we then see Yindel on the rooftop of DC, uh, of the GCPD, slamming hooch, drinking, just hanging out, watching what's going on. Uh, we send Batman come rolling up and tells her that he, she might be able to hear the people better if she would stop, stop drinking and throws her, uh, flask off the roof. Um, we then see, uh, Ray Palmer, Still shrinking, 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 and has a thought bubble and says he might have an idea to be able to stop it. Uh, as for the backup story, uh, the Dark Knight universe presents Batgirl number one, and it was written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, art by Frank Miller, colors by Alex Sinclair. And basically, we've got a Batgirl, and she has a Batgirl outfit, but very much the color scheme of 
I guess, is that like second iteration Catwoman with the pink and the green? And for some reason, instead of the word juicy across her behind, she also has a bat symbol on her butt. Didn't really understand that. Uh, but basically, um, she's talking about uh, getting to the pier and just using like third third person all the time like he's telling me this is what I need to do he 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 and so she does get through all these people that she's fighting all the minions sort of of car and then she throws something into the like a capsule into the water because she doesn't get to the pier and a green glove reaches up and gets it and then arising from the pier on a large sea animal can't really tell what type of animal that is but it is Aquaman and so she jumps into his arms and uh, there's a piranha randomly and uh, um, he tells her to hold her breath and then uh, that's it to be continued. So if you never shipped uh, Aquaman and Batgirl before, you can start now. <laughs> yeah, now's the time. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right. I actually have three questions here, although one of them is fairly simple. First question, why do we think that Wonder Woman is totally ignoring Batman on this level? I, I, I feel like it's got something to do with um, the kid that she's got. And maybe she sees something, you know, she's got foresight enough to see something that involves this child that is bigger than what's currently going on. And so that's her focus with this, you know, baby attached. It, it's very reminiscent of the New 52 um, Wonder Woman who had that, you know, who had the child and was protecting us. It was pretty interesting. But I just feel like it, it's got something to do with that. Which isn't yeah. that convenient that it feels like the New 52 Wonder Woman who had the child, who mm-hmm. she, she was protecting the child because that was written by Brian Azzarello. Wow. <laughs> I was actually thinking it was, but I didn't want to like mistake. Well, who, I guess creativity sometimes um, has a bit of a struggle moment. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't attribute it solely to Brian Azzarello. I mean, Frank Miller had to at least you know, make him pa- make a mention of it in passing in order for it to actually paint out. But I don't know. I, I think Stella's is, I, I was actually really curious to your guys because I couldn't figure out why mm-hmm. in this moment of planetary crisis, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That she is like, I'm busy, you know? Um, I guess protecting the kid makes sense that, that, that isolation, I know that the residents of Themyscira have always kind of been a little isolated. So maybe that's it. But yeah, that was one of the genuine kind of shocking moments. One could only assume that since she's kind of been a focal background character in the book, that at some point she's going to take a bigger role. Right. Um, but the fact and that she, she does, told it. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, she says our daughter. So I do wonder if it's her in Superman's. Was that ever like confirmed? Child. Hmm. Unless it's her and uh, Bruce's daughter. Well, but then she mentions, she says Bruce though. I, I just want to point out between the two of you talking back and forth, you guys are confirming the fact that this book is taking way, way too long to release because we can't remember details from one issue to the next. Or, <laughs> and, and like, it's not to say that the story is written badly, but this is what happens uh, when yeah. you have a series yeah. that has four issues that have released in the course of what? One, two, six months. I mean, like, yeah. that's bad. It's and bad. we're going to be waiting a while. I mean, yeah, six has been totally full. Cool. Yeah, six is, was supposed to release in what? May didn't. It's not going to. And now it's been completely removed from future solicitations and it'll be resolicited at some later date. But 
That means August no. at the earliest? You mean July? We'll be like if we see five by mid-June, which means maybe we'll see six by, yeah, like maybe the end of August. I mean, like, that's the going rate at this point. It's like one issue every six weeks. So this is going to be a year plus to wrap this story up is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. like, and the sad part, it's, well, it's not even really sad. It's just, it's frustrating because there's a lot of different elements happening with this story spanning way more than just Batman and Carrie Kelly. And there's so much going on in, in like details with things. They really should not have been doing this, this problem. They, they should not be running into this problem of we're not releasing a new issue every month because by the end of this, nobody's going to care. They'll just be celebrating that it's over. They should have just had the main story and then, you know, tie-ins. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's, I found myself like having to go back and look and, and then just not doing it. So, um, second thing, Superman's dead. Well, apparently dead. Do you think he is actually dead in terms of this continuity in this story? Do you think that's the last we're going to see of, uh, the Man of Steel? No. I think he was probably sent to some sort of like the Phantom Zone or something, some sort of prison. I don't really know what the Black Matter is, but I just imagine that he's probably in some sort of uh, limbo. Yeah, I don't think he's gone for good. I mean, I think they built the issue to make it seem like he was gone for good, but I don't think he is. He'll make his triumphal return at the end of issue six, probably. Yeah, I think I I, I do think it would be it, tough to imagine them killing him off in this universe, especially since we've heard so much talk about them expanding this universe. You know, with some possible ongoing rumors a while back. So I, I'd have to agree with you guys on that. And then third real quick one was, I'm really asking this because I want to hear what Stella has to say, but Dustin, feel free to chime in as well. What do you think of Carrie Kelly as a bad girl? You know what I love about it? If, if that is indeed her, because I, I, you know, I feel like it is her, but also this story felt a little disconnected than, I mean, all of these little side issues have been disconnected, but it just felt like I was, it, like it was a different character completely. But if it is her, I think it's really amazing that he says, um, he doesn't say upgrade. He said, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, finally Batgirl is like getting her due. And, you know, I, I don't know if I ever really compared Batgirl to Robin, but it has always been, Robin's been the right hand man or person, you know, to Batman. And when Batgirl bursts on the scene, she's always looked down upon you know, for whatever reason, she made more mistakes than others and just, well, she's a girl. And so the fact that to step out of the Robin shoes and into a Batgirl is a promotion is, I think, an amazing idea and something that, like, no one has really done, I think, with the character ever. Because I think even modern day, you would say that, like, the Robin is a little higher ranking than Batgirl. So I think it's great. Uh, the costume-wise, I think it's interesting that it's very much, you know, Catwoman color inspiration. I, I, I wonder what went into that thought. But I don't like, because I made that comment, I really don't like the bat signal on the butt. It's very, it, it's like she walked into, or Bruce Wayne walked into Victoria's Secret in order to uh, get, because, you know, that's where they put the pink and everything. It's very bizarre. But, you know, if this is, I think the thing to take away from this is just the fact that the word promotion and, like, she steps up from Robin to Batgirl and that's a high position. I think that's great and a, a great push for the character. It is hilarious that that is actually, because I was thinking the exact same thing, but in a completely different view, like a complete 180 from what you're saying. He says, you know, here's a promotion and he potentially gives her the Batgirl costume, 
But I guess my problem is I was viewing her as Batman from the beginning of the series, even if she was standing in and he's saying, here's a promotion and he gives her the Batgirl suit. I felt like that was a demotion, not a promotion. I mean, what you're saying from a promotion standpoint from Robin, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it definitely can. But I think the fact that she was Batman, she was at least as the role of Batman in the first two issues, it feels like it's a demotion because they never really even showed her as, as, as Robin in this series. It, like, it feels like, well, she's, she did the Robin. That was, that, that already happened. That was in the past. And here we are in a story that she shows up as Batman in the beginning. And then we don't see her in a role until he hands her a Batgirl costume. If that is in fact it, I thought that was actually kind of the opposite of what you were saying, where I feel like it's actually not a promotion. It's a demotion from what they've portrayed, at least in this single story by itself. I, I agree with Stella on this one. Like I, I thought she was just wearing the Batman in costume for that little encounter with the GCPD, which was, was a trap to get herself caught, you know? Right. Um, I, I didn't view her as she had became Batman. I viewed as she was just wearing the costume, but that I think it makes it pretty clear. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I, she was just fulfilling a mission, and and one thing she does is is as we see in the in the wording in this issue, she's all about fulfilling the mission. Um, I think the fact I, I actually took it to be a pretty big significant thing too. Again, we're assuming it's Carrie in the Batgirl suit, but it, it would make sense, you know, with how it's laid out here. Um, but I thought it was kind of a good thing too. I thought it was really cool. That was like. Okay, Robin is cool, but I, so he's saying that Batgirl is, or at some point in this continuity, maybe became his quote unquote second in command. I mean, we know that Dick Grayson things ended poorly in this universe, to put it mildly, as he ended up chopping off his head and throwing it into a volcano, you know, and Dark Knight Strikes again, which was again the poorest it could end. But he's giving her a promotion and promoting her to Batgirl. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, I like and I and I can see the promotion because the thing is like if you look at it from the perspective of Robin, going from Robin to Batgirl is a promotion in my mind, no matter which way you look at it. Because yep. eventually, Robin Dick Grayson promoted himself to Nightwing. He was no longer Robin. He wasn't Robin forever. So I mean, like Robin's kind of like the starting point. As as crucial as the character has always been in the Batman mythos, it is kind of like the starting point for a sidekick. Is you are Robin, but you have to become somebody else. You know, you're, Robin's kind of like the sidekick in training type thing. And when you look at the history of a lot of these characters, you know, especially within the New 52 and how all of these characters have basically renamed themselves something else other than Robin, uh, outside of Damien, who feels like it is rightfully, uh, his because of, you know, the fact that Bruce is his father. But, I definitely see that. You know, the other thing you, you pointed out the, uh, the, the, Stella, you pointed out the thing about the bat signal on her butt, uh, looking over the actual, looking over the actual pages. It's interesting because, um, over the course of the entire mini comic, they show her from behind about five times, but they actually only show the bat signal on her butt once. There's actually, and if the intent was to keep the bat signal on her butt, there's there's actually pages where her butt is clearly not shadowed and the bat signal is not present. So they that, definitely did it once, though. Yeah, they no, they, they, yeah, it was definitely on so the. Do you think once. it was a mistake? Oh, I maybe one it was. Because <laughs> I do maybe see it was that a mistake. one panel. Yeah, maybe it was That's a like mistake where it was like, yeah. oh, well, we want this, and then someone said take it out, and then they missed one or something, or <laughs> they said, oh, we want this. 
but we, they didn't put it in all the panels or something. I don't know. It's well, weird because the other weird thing is when there are certain aspects where she's in the shadows and the bat signal on her chest suddenly becomes a completely different color, accenting the fact that she has a chest, a female chest, rather than a black bat signal that, and as how it appears in all the other panels. It's It becomes pink bat signal with clear cleavage mark down the middle. Okay. The, the art <laughs> is a little inconsistent here, to, to put it mildly. Yeah, um, I think uh, mild. I think it's a little bit more than a little. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it definitely inconsistent. Um, one would hope that I think that you may have hit it that if they were trying to do the Vicky's, you know, juicy the back there, that somebody read it and went, "What the hell is wrong with you guys?" You know, like can't do that. You know, I mean, I could I could totally see that. You know, uh, and then maybe they did miss one, but yeah, I I could see. Uh, a male artist drawing thinking it was cute and an editor telling him he had lost his mind. Uh, overall, this one, I'm going to give a total of two and a half. I mean, honestly, I'm, this is, we talked about this last episode. I feel like this is getting farther and farther away from the Dark Knight 3 and it's more of the, you know, the Frank Miller bat, uh, universe instead of Dark Knight. So, uh, two and a half. Uh, I'm going to be a little more generous. I'm going to give it three and a half. Uh, I love the idea as Carrie Kelly as a bad girl, and uh, the story is the 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 delays in publishing are are taking its toll on the storytelling. But I think overall it's pretty solid. I'm going to split the difference and give it a three out of five. All right, and over on the website, Bill gave it two. All right, so that's going to give DK three or DK three number four a total of three out of five. It's going to move us into our last book, Batman. Batman number 51, writer Scott Snyder, artist Greg Capullo, and the last time I'll get to say that for some time. This story opens up with Alfred and Bruce in the Batcave. Um, Alfred has his hand back due to some science from Crazy Quilt. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, we see Bruce getting ready to go out on patrol, and we see him test the new cam of the Batmobile before taking off, which is kind of cool. It can disguise itself as different cars. On his way into Gotham, we see the power go out for the entire city in a blackout. Uh, Alfred says he doesn't know if it's natural or not, and Batman says it never is natural. Uh, we then see Batman talking to Commissioner Gordon next to the bat signal, which, for the sake of an argument, we'll assume has a battery backup or a generator, because the power is out and it's working just fine. 
Um, nothing his hair happened. grew back. His, I just want to mention that. And he's wearing his glasses again. Yep. Uh, which wouldn't seem to be necessary for a man that had LASIK eye surgery, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a fashion choice, I suppose. Um, we we see that uh, we receive word up there that power is now out at Arkham, and Batman says this could be the first wave of attack. He runs out to Arkham. Everything's fine. The backup security is in place. No one's getting anywhere. Uh, we didn't see the court of owls and the foreshadowing of, of some event that I'm going to assume we'll see in the future called the mantling. Uh, but the chief owl behind the glass, kind of the Wizard of Oz deal going on here, uh, confirms that that's not happening tonight. It's happening soon, but not tonight. Um, so they're out of it. Uh, quick glances at uh, the penguin and black mass and everyone else confirms that it's none of them. Uh, we even see the Joker sitting there saying, well, he's not going to do anything tonight. Tonight's not the night. We didn't see Batman question a former criminal who has, in fact, turned his life around and is just working on an article. Uh, Batman tells the young man to stay in school, which I thought was hysterical. Uh, we close the story with the sunlight kind of starting, starting to come out through the city. And uh, Alfred finally calls Bruce and tells him it is a natural occurrence after all. Okay, so this is a kind of a low-key story. It doesn't really have a big bat or anything like that. And what do you think of the decision for them and for Snyder and Cap instead of going out on some kind of mad Cap adventure to kind of go out on this low-key, just another night in Gotham story? Well, you know, I'm okay with it. I mean, like, this was probably, uh, this was one of the better Snyder stories that I think I have read. And part of it has to do with the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to do with anything. I mean, like, there's plenty of, you know, callbacks to the previous stories. There's hints at possible future stories that he could bring up. But for the most part, it's not like setting something up. It's not, you know, I have complained multiple times about I want to see Snyder do smaller story arcs. And to a degree, this is a one-issue story. I mean, it's not a story arc by any means, but it's definitely a single standalone issue that, yes, ties up a couple pieces left over. You know, Alfred gets his hand back magically because, hey, it's comics. Um, but, Crazy quilt, baby. It's science. Yeah. 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 Um, but, I mean, like, the thing is, it, it it neatly ties up some of the stuff that, you know, he kind of had happen. Um, it does leave some things still out there as to, you know, how some of these people are going to be, you know, involved, you know, there's the whole, the kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, the, there's a lot of different things that I wish they would have, they would have talked about, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not upset because they didn't, because they focused on a lot of, a lot of, you know, interesting things, you know, Bruce, it was meant to be this emotional thing, you know, kind of like going back and looking at all of these characters that they, that both Snyder and Capullo have dealt with since the beginning of the New 52, which, I mean, let's not forget, that was almost five years ago, and they, Snyder has been consistently on the title every single month, um, and Capullo has been on, you know, for the good majority of it, occasionally with, you know, one issue off maybe every eight months or something like that. So, I mean, for the most part, they've been extremely consistent with what they do. I, I, you know, I've complained multiple times about, you know, I wish they would tell shorter stories. You know, I wish, you know, we wouldn't have these 12 arc stories that always get promised as, oh, this is definitely going to be shorter than the last one, but it ends up just as long or if not longer. So this was a nice refreshing story that doesn't feel like it's going to be tugged down by any of the continuity stuff that's going to happen in either, you know, the next 11 issues or the previous 11 issues. So 
I enjoyed that. Um, I, I, I guess my only thing about this story was it felt like they were really trying to tug on those emotional feelings that any reader was having, but it just didn't get to the point where they needed to be. And I feel like Snyder has done that with some other stories, but this really should have been the story to really just completely pull the curtain down on the emotional stuff and the stuff that Bruce has dealt with during their run together. I loved this issue. I thought it was great. Uh, just the theme of, you know, Gotham is dot, dot, dot. And I think there's not a lot of hope that's sort of instilled in these stories. Um, and it's just the nature of the character. And, and he, tr- he fights, right? So he's sort of this beacon of hope, but he just always faces these dire circumstances. And so for this one issue, I felt like there was so much hope for the future and like that things could change. And just the thought that, you know, there are no nefarious things really going on and just like something happened and, you know, the power grid, uh, got a little flustered and, you know, and then it came back on. I just thought it, it was, it was really nice and, it's also great because you get some hints as to where this story could potentially go. Um, I assume, well, I guess we'll find out where, but, uh, you know, so it, it's not just like a useless issue. I think there, there's so many levels, um, to it. And at the very end, you know, just to see, uh, the people, the people of Gotham and, you know, what they think of Batman and the, the fact that Gotham is Batman always and forever is pretty interesting. So very much, I think, hitting home that legacy that we always think about, but I don't know if it's ever been said in these sorts of words. Um, th- this was certainly, I, I think it also was a weird issue to like, really, it is, it's wrapped up neatly in a bow, right? All of these conflicts potentially that are there, I think are, are nicely erased. Um, I, I think a lot of that is symbolized just by the fact that his back is completely clean, uh, you know, and the scars are gone. So it's like everything sort of washed away and new. Um, I thought it a little unbelievable that Alfred got his hand back. I mean, who knows what Julia was um, keeping that in. Probably wasn't formaldehyde, but it was something. And then, yeah, crazy crazy quilt and everything but overall i I thought that this was um this was a nice swan song for it i I think it it didn't need to be a huge bang i think it needed to be pretty level um emotionally and i think this did a good job yeah i would agree i mean we've seen enough big giant pieces from them and i know that snyder talked about for a long time that this was how he wanted to end the run with cap um so yeah i yeah i I liked it i thought it was great i thought some of the wording uh was almost like uh, poetry and so it was great i really enjoyed this a lot um there's not a whole lot to talk about in the story so what i'm gonna ask now is kind of an overarching question which is it's all over now Probably. Snyder and Cap's run is over. He'll be back with All-Star. Batman, I know his first story is only 18 issues, so we'll have no problems covering that. But my question is, what is your favorite story from Snyder's run? Only New 52 and Capullo, not including Black Mirror. Uh, favorite run, favorite issues story from Snyder and Cap? Least favorite story from Snyder and Cap? And where do you feel like they rank, if they rank at all for you, in the history of creators that have worked on Batman? Well, there's a lot of different things to come up with. Uh, so, I, I well, first, I think it's interesting that you have to keep Black Mirror out of it. I mean, I know why. It's because it's because that's not Capullo, but uh, definitely Snyder. Uh, that would be my favorite Snyder story is Black Mirror. But if I was to pick Capullo, Snyder, 
I would probably stick with Court of Owls as my favorite, specifically because it was it was fresh, it was unique. We didn't know what was coming. Uh, it was kind of like you know, um, you know, he used he created this whole new you know secret society within Gotham that you know didn't exist before. Uh, you know, most of the time when a creator, regardless of who it is, creates some sort of new villain or new group of villains or whatever. They're throwaway. Nobody remembers them after, you know, a month. Court of Owls is one of those things where it clearly has stuck around. And part of that has to do with the fact that, yes, Snyder has been on the books and he continues to, you know, sprinkle Court of Owls stuff here and there in the variety of different things that he touches. But I think that the Court of Owls was something where you didn't know what to expect going into it. You knew that Snyder had talent because of what was, you know, what he did previously, uh, on, in Detective Comics with Black Mirror. Uh, Capullo, I have no problem admitting I never saw any Capullo stuff before he came on Batman because previously he worked on Spawn stuff and I don't read Spawn, so I never, I never saw him. And I walked into it kind of, uh, hesitant because it was different than some of the artists that they kind of gravitate to, but I think that's, you know, outside of some of the redesigns that they, they, that, uh, they came up with for some of the villains, I think that that first story was really good. Like the one thing that I still to this day remember is seeing the, the, the page of, uh, of Batman in Arkham Asylum, who was actually Dick Grayson at the time. But, uh, Batman's in Arkham Asylum and Riddler has this green question mark, question mark mohawk on his head and just thinking, oh god, what are we getting ourselves into? Um, but for the most part, I mean, like that, 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 that was the other good thing about that first story was that we didn't sit here and have to deal with an established, you know, character. There's plenty of things that I wasn't super keen on. Snyder reworking, you know, whether it be Zero Year or the, with the origin or some of the villains' origins and things like that. Um, but I have to say probably my least favorite story from the two of them was uh, Death of the Family because I, as everyone knows, is, am, am super – the whole point of the Batman universe and – you know, everything that we cover is because there's not just one singular character, which is Batman. And when that story was written, it really felt like Snyder was just getting rid of everybody and every connection that Batman had to anybody and just saying he is this singular character. Everybody else doesn't matter. We don't need these other characters to be around. And that story cemented this feeling that I had, which is just, this is not what I picture Batman as. I picture Batman as this smart person who aligns himself with these great, great supporting characters that help him in a variety of different ways. For me, that was a story that I really, really not, didn't like. So as far as ranking them amongst creators, I don't really know. I mean, like, I think the thing is, it will have to, I think it's going to have to stand the test of time. I don't think I can put them as high as some of the other creators that, um, that, you know, that have team, you know, Tony Daniel and, and Grant Morrison worked on Batman for a long period of time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams worked together on Batman for a long period of time. Um, when, when you just compare creators that have worked together for a long period of time in general on Batman, there's not 
a lot of teams that have worked to the same degree as as Capullo and and Snyder because there's not very many creators who spend five years on on title. Um, but I mean, like I can think of like pairings that have happened. Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. Um, just thinking of Alan Grant and Bray Fogel. Um, it was a Grand Brayfogle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, th- there's definitely pairings that you can have, but like, there's not a whole lot that I I look back at any of those creative teams and say, oh yes, this was the epitome of what you know creative teams should be. So it's hard to rank them because the other problem is I think it's sure. it's really just going to have to be you know you know five years from now are we still going to you know remember the stuff you know the story stuff might stay in place but. Will we look back and say the art was great if something comes along that's even better? I mean, that's the problem. Sure. No, so yeah. I, I can't, I can't rank them at this point. I will say I, I've overall, I, I've enjoyed this partnership. Uh, my favorite story in their partnership has been this story. Uh, super heavy. I, I think it's been the best. It's been an emotional ride. I think it's been, um, very different, uh, because we got to see, you know, Jim Gordon as Batman and, and him taking on this identity that, you know, he's been partnered with in one way or another for decades. And so for him to become that, I think it's just such an interesting journey. And then on the flip side, just, you know, a, a new and a, a Batman or a Bruce Wayne, sorry, with, you know, clean slate, tabula rock. And just what would that look like uh, and that emotional journey there? So I just really love this. I thought it was really great uh, character beats as well as action. Um, so I was super happy. I will go Dustin on this. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know what Ed's going to say. But, you know, Death of the Family was terrible. And it's not only because Joker and his face, of course, because that's really all I remember about it, but it's also creating unnecessary conflict between members of the Bat family. And, you know, you can create conflict, but I don't think you have to do it in this way. And just to have them, you know, break up over, you know, such a silly thing like he lied to them, basically. Uh, it's not silly, but just the fact that, you know, I don't think Batman would really do that. Uh, it, it was, it's just terrible because I think, you know, New 52, and this is something we talked about i remember this when we were doing you know there was really that the idea of the the label of batman family didn't really exist when the new 52 started and you know it was just all these different bat characters in their own little area not really interacting with each other so to create a story that pushed them and fractured them even more was just not a good idea and i did not like that story as for uh, creators and such. I don't know if I would be able to answer this just because I'm not as well-versed in the, the Batman universe as my cohorts are. Though it's getting better because, you know, with my Batgirl research, I really, uh, you can't forget Chuck Dixon. And I think he's, he's mm-hmm. sort of that guy that, um, I think I will always, uh, go back to and, and I've just really enjoyed anything that he's done. And, and I think his Batman takes have, uh, also been Great, but I I did enjoy Grant Morrison's uh, run on Batman and Robin, um, w- which of course was Dick Grayson and uh, Damian. But I I thought that that was really good. So uh, those are just a couple couple people I'll mention. I love Court Owls. It's it's probably I don't think there's any doubt it's the best written story. However, my favorite story is Everyone Hates Me, Shoot Me Now, Death no! of the Family. I know, I know. Someday we'll have to do a retrospective episode since I wasn't on during Death of the Family. 
Um, but I love Death of the Family. I think it is one of the funnest and most interesting love stories I've ever seen. Uh, and it is a love story. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I love it. My least favorite would probably be Zero Year. Um, not that I disliked it. I just, out of the stories that were presented, I think it was, is the one I had the, the least connection with. Um, overall Batman creators, I know I asked the question, but I, I think that, that Dustin kind of hit the question right in the head there. I think that you've got the Bray Fogles, the Daniel and Morrison's, the Denny O'Neill, and, and I can't say that, that Snyder and Cap are better than any of them, but I can say that I think their runs at least compare where, they're in that ballpark of truly memorable creative teams on the title. Um, and I'm sure All-Star Batman will be great. Uh, I am sure Cap will work for Snyder again. Uh, but for me, and, and listen, I am, I, you know, I'm totally open. I can't wait for King and the new creatives. I can't wait for Tenyon's run in Detective. Um, I'm really looking forward to the future. I think it's going to be great. But for me, I think this was one of the, and I think it will stand the test of time. We'll, we'll look back on this run of Snyder and Capullo as one of the great all-time runs in the history of Batman comics. All right. So Batman number 51, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. I'm going to give a total of five out of five. I'm also going to go with the perfect score, five out of five. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half. So it's going to give Batman number 51 a total of four and a half out of five. That ranks. That is all of our books. Let's jump over into Greater Gotham. So four weeks worth of books to cover here. So I'm going to try to get through these as quickly as possible. This this first set of books is from the week of April 6th. Uh, first up, Batman Beyond number 11. In the conclusion of the current story arc, Superman is finally revealed. Together with the newly free Justice League and Batman, they embark on a mission to repair the damage caused by Brother Eye. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, neutral. Neutral. Batgirl number 50. The Fugue has gathered together a league of Batgirl's most recent and dangerous enemies in an attempt to destroy her and her fighting partners once and for all. This was reviewed by Don. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. April Fool's special number one. Harley's Harley tries to help her fellow supervillains with their emotional problems, but can't help herself from causing trouble. This one was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Justice League Dark Side War special number one. While trapped inside the ring of power ring, Jessica Cruz must overcome her fear and find the central battery in order to escape. Meanwhile, despite Marina's attempts to control the darkness within her daughter, Grail appears to begin her ultimate plan by combining the anti-life equation to Steve Trevor. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. New Suicide Squad number 19 as Task Force X fights to survive against the forces of the Fist of Cain. Amanda Waller assembles a group of supervillains to help rescue the team. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Uh, neutral. Injustice Gods Among Us year five number seven, which includes digital chapters 13 and 14, Damien continues to struggle with his identity but receives some advice from Catwoman during a burglary that he will take to heart. 
Despite an intervention from the ghost of Nightwing, an impressionable Damien seems to be taking a few more steps down a darker path under the guidance of Superman. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. And as far as DC Universe books for that week, uh, Midnighter number 11, Midnighter finds himself in the middle of a feud between Suicide Squad and Spiral. In need of assistance, Midnighter turns to the most unlikely of companions, his ex, Apollo. All right, so moving into April 13th, uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 5. Batman and the Turtles find out that Shredder and Ra's al Ghul have taken control of Arkham Asylum and have mutated Batman's rogues gallery. This was reviewed by Ryan. He gave it 4.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a giant thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Batman Superman number 31. Superman seeks the help of Batman in fighting Supergirl. Part 2 of the current Superman story arc, The Final Days of Superman. Three and a half out of five from Tyler. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Red Hood Arsenal number 11. We follow Roy on his hunt for the Iron Rule. In another scene, Jason confronts Dula about the Joker face, and she reveals that she still is the Joker's daughter. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs way down. Ah, uh, thumbs down. Just, just... A moment for Red Hood and Arsenal. I just want to it's say, brutal. They started getting to the point where it's like, okay, they're redeeming Joker's daughter. They're making her not this hateable character, and then, <laughs> not even two months in, they completely throw all of that away. Yeah, and it's 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 it essentially is once again, like my previous comment, Scott Lobdell standing in front of you, giving you the bird when you read the book. Oh dear, it's brutal. I don't see how he got it again. I mean, he's going to have, this is the third Red Hood and the Outlaws number one that boy's going to have. All right. Harley Quinn and her gang of Harleys number one. The gang of Harleys embark on a rescue of their, uh, on a rescue mission of their fearless leader who was kidnapped by a mysterious new adversary. This was read by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Catwoman number 51. Selena attempts to burgle the infamous faceless mask, but uncovers intrigue in a secret society that is long, that has a long and dangerous history in Gotham. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. Gotham Academy number 17. Maps and Olive investigate the missing yearbook that Damien stole last issue. Short stories involve Heathcliff from Black Canary's band, Clarion the Witch Boy, and a group of students that disappear, that disappeared round out the issue. This was reviewed by Tyler. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up! As far as the DC Universe books, Black Canary number 10, Batgirl guest stars as Dinah is staying at Barbara's apartment. After hitting the town to punch out some frustration, the two try to learn more about Dinah's mother and then have to take down a killer death cult. In Earth 2 Society number 11, Batman, who is Dick Grayson, interrogates Our Man while Red Arrow and Ted Grant chase after Nimbus, who escaped from Batman. And over in Starfire number 11, despite someone being dressed in a Batman costume appearing on the cover, there was absolutely no TBU appearances or mentions in the entire issue. That's called, that's what you call clickbait, but in this bait, fade, bait and switch. Uh, yeah. Clickbait. Yeah. Clickbait. You never heard of that where you see something online, you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Then you click it and it's, it's nothing, it's nothing what it's, you thought it was going to be. Like saying Batman is crossing over with the Avengers. You click it and you're like, what? And then you click it and then it's the TV Avengers and you're like, oh, you got it. Or that one cover they did where like Robin was on it. I think it was during Court of the Owls and then he never appeared. Or he appears in one panel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving over to April 20th, Robin, son of Batman number 11. Robin and Goliath battle against the Lundarga in Gorilla City as their leader, Surin, attempts to gain more power for himself. 
Damien is saved in the end by the timely arrival of Maya, Talia, and the Dark Knight himself, Batman. This was reviewed by Ryan. He gave it 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Poison Ivy, Cycle of Life and Death, number 4. Ivy, Selina, and Darshan are on the quest to recover Ivy's stolen research when they run into a mystery even deeper and more infuriating than they expected. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it 4.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. This series is a blast. I would uh, uh, pronounce his name Darshan, but... Um... <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I say everything A's. Okay. Uh, thumb- yeah, Daw Bears. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up for sure. He tried Harley's- to take us to Bologna last week. Remember last time? Oh, remember? I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to Bologna right now. All right. <laughs> you, and, and I just want to point out that even though I said it incorrectly, neither one of you knew how to pronounce it correctly so just say we just knew that it was wrong it's only wrong if it's only wrong if you know the right way that's all Ugh. think about it i don't know how to rewire an electric socket but i'm not gonna stick a fork in it you know like that that's not the same <laughs> thing i don't know how Whoa. to rewire an electric socket so i'm gonna i'm not gonna stick a fork in it okay yeah. that that i don't know that you would uh, never mind harley's <laughs> little black book number three harley and zatanna's team up to protect a trio of saucy spirits from an evil demon this was reviewed by jerry he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Contractually obligated to give anything that has a ton in it a thumbs up. Uh, a neutral. Titans Hunt number seven. We witnessed the fight of Hawk, Dove, Arsenal, Narc, and Lilith against the Diablo agents. While this is going on, Nightwing, Garth, and Donna must uh, find Mel, but also Mr. Twister. Karen, in her own side plot, discovers her powers as she faces a man holding her at gunpoint. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, I think it's got Donna Troy in it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um. I, you know, every issue I've been giving it a thumbs down, and this one's no exception. Thumbs up. Injustice, God's Among Us, year five, number eight, digital chapters 15 through 16. With Superman's regime beginning to fully implement its iron grip on the world, the growing movement has started in Gotham to rebel against the regime in the name of the Joker. Despite warnings from both Batwoman and Harley, a gathering of these Jokers ends up being incinerated by Superman. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 All right. And then finally, the last week, April 27th. Uh, first up, we have Batman 66 meets the man from uncle number five, digital chapters number nine through 10. The Cape Crusaders are imprisoned in Dr. Hugo Strange undersea lair as the villain tries to bring the heroes and Batgirl to join his evil crew. This was to be by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. All right. Grayson number 19. Dick discovers secrets regarding Tiger and Helena while trying to stop Daedalus and saving Helena at the same time. This was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I'm going to give a thumbs up. I think Daedalus is awesome. Thumbs up. Batgirl number 51. Run down between her new Gordon Clean Energy business and her time as Batgirl, Barbara is coming close to deciding on the next big step of her life, one that may not include Burnside. This was reviewed by Don. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. It's, it's, you know, I want to give everything... uh... With this team, a thumbs up, but it's, it's just. But half the team's oh, not there, so. I know, and it's, it's really just breaking what she's built up, you know? Um, know. so I'll give it a neutral. Harley Quinn number 27, Harley's roller derby battle with Red Tool takes an unexpected turn as she finds a way to survive his devious plan. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. <laughs> neutral. 
We are Robin number 11 when Smiley and his Jokers attack Middletown High School. It's up to the Robins to put aside their differences and bring the gang down. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Justice League number 49 with the birth of Superwoman's son. The truce between the Justice League and the crime syndicate falls apart during the fight with Mobius. As if things couldn't get any worse... Grail shows up and unleashes the anti-life Steve Trevor upon both Mobius and the League. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, and I cannot wait for next month to see what they're going to do with us and the Joker, which we may need to cover on the next podcast. Neutral? I, I have to point out, supposedly, I read an interview with Scott Snyder where he said that Jeff Johns and Fabic we're going to be actually doing a mini-series delving into that Joker aspect. Yeah, but they're supposed to be announcing it in 50. I mean, all I'm saying is if, if if they announce the actual Joker's name and give him a definitive backstory, you talk about a discussion point, that's almost writing it itself, right? Yeah. Because I would have some pretty harsh – like, I am totally open to, like, rewrite everything, but that's for me is like a sac- – that's for me is kind of like a sacred cow. I don't mind you hinting at it. I don't mind you kind of showing me through a mirror, but writing it in stone? Maybe they reveal who it is in 50, and then they just, at, at, you know, during the DC Rebirth special, they just wipe it clean. Maybe that's what they do. Oh, but what, Wouldn't that be amusing? Wouldn't that Amusing? Be- What's your definition of amusing? Uh, frustrating. Sucks, frustrating. Man. That would be okay. frustrating, which is my, my definition of amusing. But, um, yeah, I mean... I don't the sad know. thing I mean, is, like, you're probably right. I could totally see that happening. By the way, yeah. I could totally see them like, "Oh my God, look, the Joker is whatever, uh, you know, Stephanie Brown's dad back from the dead." Oh no! And Not then being him. like, "Just fooling, uh, rebirth, all gone." There was a rumor going around earlier, by the way, online, totally off the top. Everyone is there is some people who are trying to push these things together. They're saying they think it's Jason Todd's father. Yowzers, yowzers. I don't want to go there either, but anyway. All right, Teen Titans number 19. The Teen Titans, Wonder Woman, and Cassandra learn Cassandra's real reason to recover the Rod of Vesepius. Cassandra is faced with the decision to join Wonder Woman or remain with the Teen Titans as she chooses to stay. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 And finally, the last group of DC Universe books... Black Canary, number 11, Batgirl and Operator make a cameo while Black Canary makes her way to Berlin to save her band members from a ninja cult. Despite finding them, she ends up getting stabbed and presumably dies with the next issue's tagline hinting at a Lazarus pit making an appearance. Uh, over in Deathstroke, number 17, Deathstroke is in a fight when Red Hood appears and decides to help him out. During the fight, Batman... Randomly appears and tells Jason to leave, which he does, leaving Slade by himself. After the fight, Ra's al Ghul makes an appearance and reveals that he has a connection to Slade's son, Jericho. Uh, in Justice League 3001, number 11, Tina Sung, as the futuristic Batgirl slash Robin appears in the all-female Justice League and helps take down the future Legion of Doom in a familiar oversized Robo-Bat suit. Um, specifically the Robo-Bat suit that Bruce Wayne used to take down the Justice League early during... Um, Endgame. Yeah, Endgame. Endgame. I don't know why I couldn't think of this. Uh, Secret Six, number 13, having been taken in by Cheshire, Strix is tested with doppelgangers of the Secret Six. Meanwhile, the real Six are trying to set up a plan to get her back, but Strix may not want to be rescued since she ends up killing all the doppelgangers. 
And finally, Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana. Number four, Katana and the squad escape Cobra and plan a counterattack. Deadshot reveals that Waller wants the Soul Taker sword. Waller sends the new Deadshot along with the Suicide Squad to apprehend the Red Market board members alive. Meanwhile, Deadshot, the Will Evans version, goes off plan and kills the board along with Waller's operative supervising the mission. Waller goes to Lawton for help, but he is already gone. So, that is all of the books that have come out in the past month that relate to the Batman universe. Um, just cool. as a, you know, call out as usual, if you are interested in reviewing any of these books, uh, including any of the DC Universe books, get a hold of us, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. We are going to be mapping out uh, Rebirth titles uh, in the coming weeks. So now is the time, if you are interested in jumping on board and reviewing books for TBU, now is the time to get on board. With that, we're going to jump straight into our bat signal. And we only have one piece of feedback for four weeks worth of time. Um, not sure how that works out since we can go one week without an episode and we end up with eight comments, but hey, it is what it is. Thanks for the one from Munch Screamer. Thank Great God. Great name, by the way. Yes. Thunk, thank God Eternal is over. Please, DC, never do that again. It really felt like none of the writers had compelling story to tell and there was an air of why bother about the whole thing. I gave up around issue 18 and instead I listened to the podcast to see if I was missing anything. Needless to say, I never jumped back in. Thank you for taking the bullet so I didn't have to. Has there any, has there been any news on how the twice monthly releases will affect the trades? Might we get a new trade every three months? Now that I would love. Of course, with DC's strange need to keep the trade waiter wanting, uh, waiting, who knows when the first trade will be released? They say the gap between the last issue and, and the release of the trade is to help the stores, but still the stores hate DC but love Image, who releases trades after a month. Come on, DC, take my money. If I have to wait, who knows? Something else might come along and take it instead, such as an Image trade. Do you think it's time for DC to accelerate their trade releases? What does the twice-monthly release schedule mean for the podcast? Well... First off, let's talk about what does what does the twice monthly release schedule mean for the podcast. And I think I said this on the last episode, but maybe I didn't. The plan right now is, um, as of June, when we have Detective and Batman both kicking off in June, we will be covering both issues of Batman and both issues of Detective Comics every single month. Um, what that translates to is we will still be releasing two episodes per month. Um, with one, presumably one episode will have one issue of Detective and Batman, and then the next episode will have the other issue of Detective and Batman from the same month. That's the plan. Um, uh, as far as what else we will be covering, um, I still believe that we should be dropping DK3, which we end up might doing by rebirth uh, by, by June. What? Just no, because. We're not dropping it. We're not quitters. We're not quitters here. this and not finish it. That's We're terrible. We are it's going like, to be working this title until 2017 yeah. at this rate. Let me, let me trade for a half do? marathon and stop at mile marker 10. Come on! Oh, finish it. What are you talking about? Nobody's telling you you have to individually end. You can keep going. You can what keep going. Fans want to know. You need to take a poll then. 
Take okay, fine. Right we'll take now. a poll. I want responses. Who wants us to keep covering DK3 with as little amount of the Batman universe as that it continues to cover? But anyway, um, the intent was if, if, uh, if we cut DK3, we'll have two books per episode. Um, and then also Batman. And then, then come whenever the ambiguous fall, which I'm guessing is actually October or September, um, we'll have All-Star Batman, which will add one additional issue because it's said to only be monthly, not two, uh, two issues per month. So we'll have that as well. That's basically it. I mean, the, the, the release schedule should not change. It'll still be every two weeks as far as what we produce, um, bearing any other sort of unforeseen things. Um, but the, the, the plan is, you know, keep doing what we're doing and we'll be covering the same stuff. We'll still cover all the other books with greater Gotham as we are currently doing. So there's no need for that, you know, no need to worry about that. Although there will be significantly less books that we will be covering because, uh, you know, a lot of the books that we are currently covering are being chopped away and disappearing. So there will be less overall, but we'll still be covering everything here on the podcast. That's how it covers here. Now, as far as the trade releases, I personally don't buy trades. I know Ed is a big trade person. I think, in my opinion, with trades, it does make sense to get the trade out there as quickly as possible for a couple different reasons. The first reason is trades go to certain trade, certain, not certain, trades in general go to a different market than the normal comics. Yes, you can go to a comic store and find trades, but trades are not necessarily meant for the comic store as much as they are the wider market, you know, the bookstores, the uh, Amazon, uh, you know, the other book retailers, that's where trades end up going. So it reaches a completely different media or different retailer than some of the other, you know, the normal comics are. I mean, there's very few places outside of comic shops that still carry comics. And most of them that, that carry comics only carry comics that sell over 100K issues per month anyway. So it's not really helping out some of the smaller books. I'm looking at you, Toys R Us, because they're about the only one. That a boy. That's the only one that I think that's still the the only retailer I know that still carries single issues. But they carry like any nothing that's you know they don't carry anything that's not already going to be super popular to begin with, which is understandable, makes sense, frustrating at the same point because what's the point of even bothering to carry comics? They should just probably carry trades. But the, the other aspect of the trade thing, outside of the retailer standpoint, is. There's, when, when you have a lot, you get a lot of publicity from the release of a good story. Whenever a story is, is good, it gets a lot of critical, repli- critical praise. That happens with the individual issues. It rarely happens when the trade releases. I mean, you might see a review for a trade here or there, but it's not generally where you're going to see the critical praise from at least the mainstream comic audience, you're going to see that from the single issues. So why not release it right away to kind of run with that already publicity that's already happening? That's my, my, my theory on it, but it just comes down to the, there's no reason in my mind that they should hold trades back because it's going to help the comic stores. Because if people are going to buy single comics, they're going to buy single comics um, the people, I, I don't know the fact that the comic industry as a whole has been going down, 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 down as far as the numbers of issues sold, the amount of money being that's coming in. There's no reason that you should sit there and hold off on releasing something that affects such a small portion of what potentially could be 
a huge part of the market. Um, you know, getting your trades to mainstream audience outside of comic shops. And, and I'm sure, you know, people who work at comic shops are probably going to say this is a bad idea, but it just doesn't make any sense. There's not very many people nowadays who are buying a ton of single issues and then buying those exact same single issues in trade. There's just not. I mean, it's most, no. most people, it's one or the other. It's not both. So why not try to get money from both people as soon as you can instead of waiting until, you know, spoilers are running rampant for months. It just doesn't make any sense. It's it's weird. You're going to get a laugh. You may not laugh. You may not even care. But how I buy comics is basically kind of stupid. I buy everything monthly in the old-fashioned bag and board. And then the stuff that I really, really like, I buy and trade and put on the shelf. And then at the end of the year, I sell all my single issues except the title Batman, which I collect all the way back past my birth. I sell them on eBay. So I came for the year and then I sell them. So I buy a ton of trades and I love, I like to wait on the trades a little bit because um, for a really great story like uh, A Court of Owls uh, or something like that, they really, you know, talking about dust, but they really sit in sell. They release it in so many formats, right? Oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. like, right. Regular. Okay. Here's the first one. Now here's the two versions collected. Now here's the deluxe and here's the absolute. So by kind of having it in my inventory for a year, uh, when I get close to liquidating it, then I, I make the decision on which copy I'm going to get to be in my collection. I do think that the, the amount of time we have to wait on trades is is silly. Like, Image is very quick. Um, I read a, a comic called The Wicked and the Divine, which is amazing, fantastic. If you're not reading it, go read it. It's one of the few non-DC things I read. But I don't feel like I'm way behind on the comic because they issue it so quickly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a disconnect in trade readers on how far they're sometimes a year out from the story. My hope would be one, I, I don't, I don't think they can collect 12 issues at a time, right? Um, well, one, the price would be too much. You start getting 30, $40 books. Um, so I, I think they will come out every, every, still every six issues would be my guess. I don't have anything to back that up. Uh, but I think they will, but I, I think they should come out faster. Um, the reality is don't see like there's this big backlog of buyers. So I say get it out, get it out and trade quickly. And, um, that make a lot of people happy. That is, like I said, the only feedback we had from the last episode. So if you have questions, comments, concerns that you'd like us to talk about in the next episode, be sure to head over to the website, look for the podcast post, and leave your comments on this episode, and we'll be sure to talk about those on the next episode. In addition to that, that I want to implore you to check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer. We have tons of podcasts to off you to offer to off you on the website. You'll die. You will die. You will die if you listen to everything. But uh, we have plenty of 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 things to offer. Uh be sure to check out everything because like I said, there's at least three episodes per week that are releasing in any given week. So um be sure to check out everything that that we have to offer. Um, as I said earlier, be sure to head over to the website, uh, look for that support button. Uh, if you can send us some funds to help support TBU, those, that is greatly appreciated. Um, those funds will help keep TBU around for the future. Um, in addition to that, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube um, for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. And of course, be sure to leave comments, as I said earlier. Also, reviews on iTunes are always greatly appreciated. With that, that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. Uh, this is Ed. <laughs> and this is Coco. And you have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in one month. Batman.